All right, welcome to Sex Actually, the podcast. Your host, Dave Neal. I am with Chris Duncan. How are you? I'm good. Doing well? Yeah, doing well. Man. So we were just chatting. I, uh, I wanted to have you on the podcast because I've heard some of your stories just through uh, the stand-up comedy scene. And you're fucking out there. You got some funny shit. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Yeah, and I love that, that, that my dog's sitting next to you just petting him like Dr. Evil. <laughs> I love <laughs> <laughs> He's a good dog to have when you're high. You just see him fucking. Oh man, I could totally see that. Just like get a brush and just start combing his huge ears. <laughs> well, he'll give you the stare too. He, oh, he loves he, it. Yeah, because I used to have a dog I used to get stoned with named Paco. <laughs> and uh, the only thing bad about Paco was he couldn't ride in cars because he would always throw up every oh, really? time. Was he a small dog? No, he was like always like mid size, but uh, but I loved him. And every time I get stoned, I'd grab his face and be like, "You understand?" <laughs> I mean, you have to like if if your dog won't let you do that, it's you know. I don't know if there's a book about it, but I feel like the dogs as therapy dogs, like what they can offer. Like with my relationship, whenever we're fighting or something, I'll just hand her the dog. Nice. Like, Look, Boone doesn't. He doesn't remember. He doesn't hold grudges. He just has unconditional love. He'll bite you. He'll try to bite you one second, but then the next second, he's just like, "All right, we're cool." You I know, like they drop shit. They don't have the ego. I think you've uncovered the actual man's best friend part. Is like when you're having an argument with your girlfriend, you just give her the dog, and then it's almost like he's like your your tag team homeboy. Yeah, to come in and and uh, put her at ease. And he's he's licensed as a therapy dog, but it's more like bullshit. You know, like to get dogs on flights, you have to get like a therapy dog license or a vest. Yeah, yeah. To get him to the mall. Exactly. <laughs> but, like, so we saw a dog at a um foot- at a, at the bar the other day for a football game. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm cool with it, whatever. But, like, you know, the dog starts, you know, scratching his, his ass. And you just see, like, fur go up in the air. You're like, all right. That's going in my fucking nachos. But Oh, yeah, yeah. There's definitely an aspect that's that's horrible. My roommate's cat pissed in my bed the other day. Oh, really? Yeah, I was I was so fucking mad. I was just like, oh, my God. I'm like... What if I was bringing a girl home and it's like, oh yeah, this is just piss. Yeah. In the oh bed. no, the cat did it. Sure. I was so mad. I want. I wanted to uh, euthanize the cat. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I, they don't have many redeeming values to me. But um, but some people love them. I guess they're fine. They're chill. Yeah, I I've never really liked cats. I mean, I was attacked by a cat when I was like seven, I think, and uh, like literally all four paws into my leg. Jeez. Yeah. It yeah. was like a feral cat. Oh just, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was Jeez. actually had kittens in the in the, the bathroom at my cousin's house and Oh, uh, so was it was it on edge trying to protect itself or something? I think so, but then I was also a little shit, but at the same time I didn't, you know, I didn't deserve it. The yeah. cat just like I guess I think my mom said we were going home and I was just like, I don't want to go home. And then the cat's just like, "Well, fuck you." You know, and yeah, I've never <laughs> I've never liked cats. I don't have any bad cat stories, but no good ones either. Yeah, I've never been stoked on. I mean, but dogs. I don't have a dog now because I just I I like associate like too much of them being like a kid. Yeah. So I think it's like kid fear, where it's like, oh shit, I have a dog. Like it's that's like you have to be home. You have to. You can't just go like out for five days without thinking of what you're gonna do with your dog. And that's totally what I do. I mean, that used to be my life in San Francisco before I came here. Was um, I used to? I had a Honda Element, and I would just totally do urban camping to the maximum in that yeah. thing. Just sleeping in it, just going anywhere. Yeah, because the elements—it's t- basically like the Japanese van again. It's like the Japanese yeah. hippie van. So that's cool. So yeah, because I mean, yeah, your background is um, what would you call it? Adventure, adventure sports, extreme sports. Definitely, B- basically, just kind of like uh, mainly just like a little punker. Mainly you know? BMX. BMX only, yeah. Only BMX. That was that was what I. You're you're a pro BMX. Uh, bike rider <laughs> which seems like another lifetime ago but yeah it's been about 13 14 years since then and uh yeah it, it was a wild life and I'm, I'm actually happy to be doing comedy now because i feel like i've reinvented like another chapter of my life where a lot of people don't get that chance so Do you feel the same thrills like uh like it's, there's, there's an adrenaline rush in a oh, way definitely yeah and sometimes to detriment because if i if i'm not feeling it with the audience or I'm not feeling it with the place that I'm at, then it can be, it could be kind of rough for them. Which is like 80% of LA venues. I feel like, Oh yeah. Well, I've been in this new thing now where I've just been like, even an open mic, like I look at the audience and I just can't 
not see them as people, even though they're comics? Because it just feels crazy to go to the mics like they're a focus group for your jokes. Yeah. Oh, man, like that's been totally killing me. And not only a focus group, but a focus group of the wrong audience because it's also too many like-minded people. You know what I mean? Like it's other comics. So it's not like a – it's like I would love a focus group if I got one or two of every demographic, like a Noah's Ark of an audience. Like Absolutely. Give me me eight people in the audience. That's all I need. I just want to see if you'll chuckle. Yes. Then, Then when there's 200 people, we're good, you know? That's a really great way to look at it. Yeah, I, I, I get that every now and again. I used to get more of it in San Francisco, especially in these last couple of years in, in San Francisco, because we got really good crowds because of all the tech stuff. All right. Yeah, so you just had a good, like, they had the tech rush there. Well, yeah, it used to just be a bunch of artists in the room, you know, and, and so there's, like, more social justice warriors, but now it's it's basically people that are just, you know, yeah, let's see what he's got. I saw that in San Jose with like audiences that had, you know, people in their 20s and 30s with a lot of money. So like going out to see comedy wasn't like it was like something they could do every few weekends or something. So like there was a good market there for that. Absolutely. That's yeah, that's the Bay Area now for when, sure. When I when I met you, you you probably don't remember this. You were it was at Karma Lounge and they called your name because sometimes for those listening, you don't know when you're going to go up. They kind of pick you out of a hat. So they called your name and you come out of the bathroom with your shirt off, <laughs> drying your armpits. I totally <laughs> you remember. You did your whole set with your shirt off. <laughs> I just felt so comfortable there. Yeah, that's – yeah, you know, it's, it's weird. I was listening to uh, Steve-O the other day. And I remember when he was at Tommy T's in Pleasanton, mm-hmm. I went to go see him specifically to walk up to him and say, I can open for you. Did, you, do, did you get to do that? No, but but he heard me. And I could tell that he, that he looked in my eyes and he could tell that I wasn't shitting him. Like I could totally do it. Because I identify with Jackass because it's like, you know, the brand at least because of BMX and action sports. And that coming out without a shirt on is kind of the same thing. And the more that I don't fight it and realize it's just like, no, this is where you're from. You can't wear the comedy clothes. Yeah. You know, like that's a thing that I that I am constantly striving to get to. It's like everyone wants to be um, kind of blend into the comedy scene. And then the longer you do it, the more you want to stand out. Yeah. So at first you're kind of like, all right, I guess I'll put on a flannel shirt and jeans and beard and look like everyone else oh the beards the beards that was very strong five years ago i respect the people that like that's their thing they stuck to it but like i don't know you know what i mean like yes but the hipsters like you've never worked a day in your life some guys look like they're like you know a trucker and then some guys it's like you're you wouldn't you'd break a nail if you tried to do anything of manual labor authenticity that is it's so true authenticity is a big part so so what's so your authenticity like your brand is kind of just go with your gut feeling don't like because you go up on stage and just talk about whatever it is like you kind of just go with it versus like working on a specific script which is hard to find in la you know what i mean it's hard to find uh comics that are willing to kind of like you because you're going in the deep end you're not relying on some uh, some structure you've previously created yes yeah because i i just get so bored with it and and I, I, I hate writing, but it's not out of, like, full-on understanding because I feel like to write for your voice, you have to speak in it for a long time. And I think if you force too much material onto your voice before it's developed, you know, then – because I just feel like, oh, I need more time to just talk. And I, and then that's also kind of bad, too, because then I could sit there thinking I need to talk when maybe I could be writing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's 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 one of those things every day I feel guilty that I'm not writing enough. Yeah. You know what I mean, every but I'm like, well, but I went out on stage and I and I and I came up with a joke. You know, sometimes you have to like get out of your own way and I'll come up with something funny on stage that maybe I wouldn't have thought of, you know, unless I was kind of like out there. Yes. You know, in the open, uh, like with the pressure and the lights on me. Yeah. Well, so, I've been getting stoned a lot and I hadn't been <laughs> stoned on stage as much as I've been stoned out here because of the stress out here and then everybody else has got weed cards and I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to get high. And so that's been great because I, I don't drink. I haven't drank for four years and uh, and then, you know, not smoking either because I always would combine the two. But now this is the first time in my life where I'm just getting high. Like I'm not high now, but I was 
super fucking introspectively high last night watching Netflix, watching yeah. this new show called iZombie. No shit. And it's like a total like... I haven't heard of it. It's like a chick superhero hybrid show made for TV, so it has that below PG-13 element to it, but the, you know, but it, it's good. It, nice. I, don't, I don't know how I found it, but I was watching it, and uh, yeah, I was on the Indica last night, because I'm doing these drops. And that like are, dabs? No, they're like little drops where it's like a, it's tincture, and it's new to the market, basically. And so that's what got me into getting high again, because I was like, oh my God, thank God I don't have to get so high every time because when i smoke like i've had so many bad trips over the years yeah you know because i'm 36 so like back in the day it used to be about like well how high can you get yeah and i don't think it's as much like that now i think people care more because of like people have more like social awareness i think there's definitely different markets now like you got the guys that you know can just get high all day but not super high and then you get these guys who dab that I don't know. I don't oh. know how to obliterate their minds because the only time I've done that, it's been like gone for two days, just gone. <laughs> oh yeah, I yeah. did that at a weed show. They, I like didn't know what I was smoking. It, it had a blowtorch and all that shit. And it was like when when you do a show and they pay you, but they pay you in a product. Like if they're gonna pay me in whiskey, let's get drunk. You know what I mean? Like yes. So when they were like, all right, it's a weed show. It's at a private like weed factory. Uh, we're going to pay you in this little thing. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll take it. And then afterwards, I was like, why the fuck did I do that? You know what's crazy is is I would totally get paid in sex and take it. Yeah. I think I could do that. <laughs> uh, did you... Um, like, so, do you... Talking to girls is the same approach as, like, going up on stage? You just, like, read the room? Kind of get them on your energy, or... Yeah, but with, with girls, what I notice is that they... They have to really like a, a wild guy. Like, very rarely can I be, like, who they want in the sense of, like, well, he's normal. Like, so I I really vibe with girls that are wild. Like, really, really, really wild chicks. Do you, do you have a specific, like, market? Like, if like say you're in a, in a new town you've never been to, been to before. Is there, like, a specific bar you'd like to go to? Or is it, like, like, how do you find that type of girl? Usually they're by themselves. Really? Yeah. But what sucks about online dating now is that it's taken all the lone wolves outside of where they used to be. Like 10 years ago, you could go out to bars and you could find a girl that was by herself that was looking to meet you. Yeah. And so nowadays, like the girls that are by themselves are, are you know, they're pretty fucking wild because it's such a group oriented you know, society right yeah, now. Yeah, it takes a lot to get someone. Like, I've only done, I've only gone out by myself primarily when I'm, like, on the road. If I'm, like, working a job or something, I'll just go out because, like, that, I'm not going to sit at home in my hotel room. I'm yeah. definitely, like, the type of person who likes to have a buddy to talk to. But but that can also be something that, like, is a crutch that keeps you from meeting. Like, if you, if you want to go out and meet a girl, uh, like, and I go with my buddy, we'll just kind of, like keep each other from approaching girls we'll like talk ourselves oh totally well it's it's a fear you probably don't ever get rid of well i think having a having a wingman i think there's there's like a an interesting i think uh description of it or like the reality of a wingman is basically he better be just as sociopathic as you right or else you're just going to look like siamese twins and that's going to be... De- yeah, you're you know. only as good as the strength of the wingman. If yeah. he's a shitty wingman, yeah. you're, then he, it'll pull you, you what you have down. Because then you're going to meet a group of girls and you have to introduce your buddy. He's going to weird them out. And yes. Then, you know, no amount of sweet talking can make up for that. <laughs> yes, and then there's like so much self-sabotage as well. And I've been on both ends where you're like thinking that, oh, I got all this pressure. I'm with the, This guy must be getting all the pussy. I have to be cool like him. And then before you know it, you're just a fucking douchebag. And so it's really tough to find that, you know, that, that middle zone. One-upping it, each other to the threshold of, of not becoming huge douchebags to the oh, girls. Oh, isn't that the worst when you thought that you were cool with the dude that you're going out with, but he actually will just slit your fucking throat? Yeah. there's That's like chick shit. Like yeah. when girls get mad at each other every day, they go out. You know? They just like... But girls, they don't have the, <laughs> the biological... Like they don't have, have to play along. We have to have a team to like get to like get our points across to like de I, I don't know uh, keep the girls from being afraid. There's so much fear out there. <laughs> they're just afraid they're going to get stuck in some long conversation with the wrong guy. So there's instant rejection. Yes. Oh man, I got rejected so heavily because I've been single now for 
about a month now. Oh, that's it. And yeah, and I but I had my first palpably real grocery store rejection yesterday. Nice. And so I, I I saw this girl and I and I so when I go to Lassen's in Echo Park, Lassen's is like the alternative to Whole Foods living. Okay. So it's like the alternative to the alternative. So it's definitely a cool fucking place. And I hate to use the term hipsters because it sounds cliche to say now, but it's a group that goes there. Sure. You know? I don't really identify as a hipster, but I probably am one. You're, you know? You'd be the one that wouldn't you, that be, be purposefully aiming for that. Like, if you are one, fine, but I don't think you'd really give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. What, what you're being labeled as. Right, because it, it's also like, a, like you're having to morph in the, into society now. Things are changing. I mean... That that's one of the interesting parts of getting older that I noticed where it's just like, I, I don't know, I guess. I, I, I mean, maybe it's good that I'm changing and identifying. I don't know. But um, so so I went up to this girl because there's this guy that looked like uh, Billy Bob Thornton with these crazy dreadlocks. And so I told him one day, I was like, dude, you look like Billy Bob Thornton with dreadlocks. He goes, that's weird. <laughs> and so then I just was like, whatever. And so this store, I try to keep it cool because I love the store. Because I love the hot bar that they have. And then there's so many hot women there that it's like... It's, what do you mean by hot bar? So it's just like a restaurant type oh, okay, food that you go and take the buffet style. Oh, cool. You know, and then you fill up your thing. Just like Whole Foods. Anyway, so I see the girl and I and I was like kind of surprised. Her like, hey, that's Billy Bob Thornton with dreads. And she looked and she was like, oh my God, it does look like him. So then we were talking for like five minutes. And I said, yeah, uh, should we hang out sometime <laughs> and she's like no and i was like well why <laughs> and she's just like i don't want to wow and i but i did honesty i did i did school her though i said i go look i go here's the thing online on tinder bumble okay cupid whatever you talk to a girl and you say, hey, do you want to meet? And they're like, no. But you're like, wait a second. Like, we didn't even get to fucking meet. Yeah. You don't know me. And so I told her, I said, look, we just hung out for five minutes. We were laughing for like, you know, she's talking. I'm from BC. I smoke weed. And yeah. And so I was just like, this is cool. I'm actually down to go and meet up with her. But then she said she got out of a relationship a week ago. And I was kind of like, okay, I guess I, I guess I kind of get that. You can but. still get numbers and like let them change their minds. Did you do that at all? Or I, no? That's an interesting point. Because you're never in a smart place. A week later, you're, you're. I've been in that way where I've had girl, I've talked to girls, and I've been in such a mess with a relationship. And I'm like, that, that's probably a great girl, but I wasn't. You know what I mean? Dude, I've totally done that before. My patience vector, though, is is I just, I can't take it. Like I judge girls a lot by. The way that they get infatuated or attracted, like I like to really make girls hot and know that they feel that, rather than that process of not knowing and then and then make, like the wishy. You're more of like a primal energy, like let's feel this right now. Yeah, more of a hunter. That 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 probably leads say. to a lot of sex in the bathroom at bars. I'm just guessing, judging by you, that that's happened before. While yeah, yeah, a lot of explosive. <laughs> yeah, it's basically sluts. Am I right? Yeah, it's so, basically sluts. You get a girl to have sex in the bathroom. You yeah. Just, you just say, hey, we're feeling this. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's There's been a decent amount of that. Not like a Valtrex portion, but. No, but that, I mean, because that's not, I mean, I don't know. That's not a, a crazy, like, that's a, that's a fantasy that I think most girls would consider if approached in the right way. Oh, totally. Right time. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, there's an, well, there's an interesting, I call it the roller coaster. There's a vector with women where if you become disconnected from your self awareness and also societal self awareness and get really attached to what you want, which is just to fucking come, mm -hmm. I think that you can seduce so many. I've been on the roller coaster where once it gets going, you're just like, wait a second, this is too many girls. This yeah. was five girls in the last, you know, week and a half. And it's funny how some people that are in like a slump or, or just don't have the ability to to get with a lot of girls will be like, oh, you're 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 humble bragging. And it's like, no, it's actually kind of a little bit of an addiction. It know? is. 
Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, whether it's what serotonin or whatever, you're you're chasing a rush, and that's kind of like the biological way that we were meant to reproduce. But now we're just trying to chase that rush and not have kids. Yeah, <laughs> like maybe not do that part. Oh my god! But kids. it's all right. You're not humble bragging if this if it happened, and we're on a podcast talking about it. Um, so I think it's I think it's interesting for guys. Not not to say that like the the, the aim isn't to like promote. Uh, to prom- it's not to promote or, or or like shame. It's like this happens. There's I, I can totally relate to being single and you're going out and like you might have a slow spell where you're just kind of like introverted, introspective, and then you might have a spell where you're just like love is in the air. Well, I'm introverted right now because out of the relationship, you're all kind of fucked up. It's interesting. Before the relationship ends, you're just like not even caring. And so, like, girls are just, like, undressing you with their eyes because that's your vibe. It It is such a ethereal zone to be in for girls to really want you. They can't feel like they can't. There's such a intuition that we have, I think, women tap into when it comes to, like, knowing when there's eyes on them, knowing when they're just being stared down. And if, like, if you really are desperate to get laid, it's going to it's gonna show. Yes. Like, you got to at least try to fool yourself. And be detached and be cool because that, that it's so simple, but like at a bar or anywhere you are, the, the, it's like the, you want to be, you want to, there is a point where you kind of say like, Hey, I'd like to take you home, whatever. Yeah. But it, the initial thing has to be like, play it the fuck cool. Like, oh God, I got that, those buddies that they just can't play it cool. You know, what's, what's crazy is that the play it cool factor. Oh my God. That is so true. Like when you just don't care, like for me, I have to be involved in something in my life that takes my mind off of how fucking hot this girl is that's paying attention to me (laughs) like if i have something going on where i like i'm like oh i got these shows coming up or you know i'm gonna be doing this project with this person and i'm excited then i can be more of myself because i mean that's also something that talk about a high like when i rode bikes professionally i had shit going on yeah. And then you know that it's going to end and then you get to a certain age and you're like, "Oh shit, like I can't do this anymore." And then you stop. And then so when I started to do comedy again, it was like, "Oh man, this is so it's like now 5 years into comedy, I'm hitting the zone where like everything tells you to stop doing it." Yeah. You know, the 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 world, the judgment, everything, you're just like, "I don't know. I mean, do I, you know, but when I am focused on comedy, like say if I'm not burnt out and I'm getting on stage a lot and I'm having really good sets or I'm feeling like like I know who I am and I'm happy with life, then it's just it's easy. Cause then, and then that's that's kind of the secret area is that's how you attract, you know, anything good. Get out of the way of all the things that are inhibiting it. Yes. It's like an energy thing. You know, you, you can't send up that positive energy if you got this wall up of negativity or doubt or fear. Dude, I, I when I was listening to Steve O, he talked about how how he's like not wanting to get with chicks. Not like in a gay way. But he was saying he's like, Yeah, you know, I, I you know, I'm not trying to fuck over every chick out there and trying to not do that. And it really amazed me because I heard about it and I was uh, like I go, this is actually part of his game. Oh, oh, He has to actually PR the aspect that he's not going to fuck over these girls. Like almost warn them that in the past uh, girls have fallen for him. Well, I also think it's a societal change too. Because 15 years ago, you could be more like, yeah, I get pussy. And girls are like, he's the man. Yeah. Now, no. Things are totally changing. Like shit is getting is getting a lot wilder in the sense of getting in trouble or getting publicly shamed or like you know I I really do feel from my generation growing up till now there's like a whole adoption that you have to adopt like this new view on society where a lot of times it's like you're you're just having to be a pussy because that's what is expected of you. Yeah, it there's a there's a total it's very topsy-turvy right now there's a lot of but i think uh, for me like in my 20s i'm 30 now but in my 20s the 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 my biggest fear when i was dating dating around is i would not want to be with a girl if i felt like she was um 
emotionally investing into what we were doing and I wasn't. That would freak me out. So maybe Steve O, maybe that's part of it is like you don't like in my current relationship, I am like I'm I'm on board with I think we're both kind of in the same place with what we're investing in, but I kind of would find myself in these relationships where the girls knew exactly what it was and it wasn't much. But like they also had their own shit going on. Mm. Like back in New York, we both had our own shit going on, our own professional lives going on, so there wasn't like this pressure. And then in the relationships where, you know, early on the girl kind of like set the bar higher, like we quickly realized it wasn't going to work. Because oh, the I, girl said it's too set it too high. Yeah, that's happened before. That happened with the girl I lost my virginity to. She was like, "Look, we can't keep having sex unless we're dating." And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, right." And I was like in college, and I think I became more aware of at that point. Maybe I I probably didn't you know make friends with her by doing this, but I was like, "Well, we just shouldn't date then." And I think all I think all she wanted was a little bit more respect and like you know hand holding. But for me, I was like. I just got into this game. Like I can't, I'm not, you know, <laughs> settling down right now. I just figured this out. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. Like how stop. long were you dating your last girlfriend? It's, it was almost a year. Did you guys live together? No. That's th- thankfully I, I didn't do that. I've totally learned from that. And, uh, as we sit in my girlfriend's house, <laughs> it's scary, man. It is scary. I yeah, I couldn't do that because I just I need to have my freedom. That's that's the thing. Um, because I'm fucked up, you know. I yeah. have to like be. I have to have like I feel like I'm gonna mellow out when I'm fifty. Yeah. Or when or I'm probably saying that at fifty, I'll say seventy. I'm gonna chill out. You know. But it's like why. Why should you? You know what I mean. If you don't, if you if do it when you feel it's right. Yeah. Was she looking? Was she looking to have more of uh, sta- stability or? Oh yeah, yeah. She was definitely you know, cuddly, sweet, and but it, it's it, yeah, it's really weird when you just start to think about okay, marriage or okay, a kid or okay, living together, okay, freedom, you know, and then like I have to just escape. I have to be alone, and I can't have that, you know, always, always there. I have to have somebody that can allow me to escape. Yeah. You know, I have to be alone for days, and it is really weird. I mean, that's part of, like, yeah, it's part of just being kind of, like, a little bit fucked up, like, a little bit wild. And, uh, yeah, so when people are really normal, I, I kind of am like, okay, that's cool. You know, I get that, you know, and then... There's parts of me that are pretty normal, but then there's other parts that are just, you know, I'm fucking out there. You've had uh, passionate relationships. I think uh, I think I remember you talking about uh, a physical uh, assault on you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had a, a girl <laughs> in, uh, in 2005. She beat the shit out of me one day. <laughs> she was a fucking black belt who had survived no some familial physical abuse and yeah i remember i slid the office chair across the room and and i turned around and it would just crack you know to my left eye and then oh right eye gosh. and then yeah and that was you know what that to this day still has like prevalence in the back of my mind like if a girl starts to get a little crazy what that experience taught me is oh yeah you have to know that the police will be in your future. So I I'm sh- so if my females listening, I'm sure want to know what you did to cause that. I'm not blaming you, but I'm, I'm I can tell that they're listening going, "Oh, what the fuck did he say?" You know what I mean? That is like, true. Nothing you say should should translate into physical violence, but Never, never, never. Yeah, that that particular thing was um I was at this point in my life where it's like if I was with a girl and then I you know, quote unquote cheated, but really what is cheating? I mean, at least in my world, I guess. I mean, if I was like an ideal girl that I would be with would never tell me if she cheated because she wouldn't want me to know. But at this point, because and, she would suspect yeah, so that's she, suspecting of cheating is probably just as bad. Yeah. She you don't trust and all that. Yeah, she wouldn't want to hurt me. So at this point, I was actually doing this weird, stupid thing, which was, uh, oh, yeah, I got this blowjob in Madison, Wisconsin. And I told her that after we were dating for a little while. But that was at the beginning, beginning, before we were even committed. I was like, hey, this thing happened. I feel bad about it. And then she was really broken up about it. But then we were together for like, 
What were you doing year. in Wisconsin? I was there for uh, bike business. All right, so you had a little biker chick was all into it. No, she... no, she was just a bar, just a bar girl from. Oh, a bar girl. Met. Yeah, and so it was just one of those. But I told her that, and then so she was mad about that for like ever. And then she also had this short fuse. Was she was she also mad because you guys didn't like set the rules before? Or? No, because that would oh. that would be cheating if you guys said you weren't going to hook up with anyone else. Well, but if you didn't say that, then it's like mm, we're not married. You know, there's that whole thing. Well, we didn't talk about it, but it's it's uh, looking back. I remember one time I was sleeping, and we, me and her were both sleeping, and uh, she lived in a party house that was her house that she owned, and this dude crawled into bed with us. When I had first wow. started seeing her, and I was like, and I said, "Hey, bro, what are you doing?" And he was like, "Oh, dude, sorry." And he got out of the bed, and it was <laughs> cool. But I remember I made that Rolodex click. Okay, that happened, and then I think that the, that's how I got the blowjob. What deal. do you think they used to they used to hook up or something? Or? Oh, totally. You could tell it was like a total automatic reaction. So I think wow. that then I was actually doing. I told her about the blowjob to to kind of get even with my weirdness that I experienced trying to sleep in her room. Yeah. With the dude crawling in the bed because I was like, oh, my God, are you like a mega whore? Like, what is yeah. What is this? So, but, yeah, then so she beat my ass and that's that. But, even, yeah, still to this, all I did, though, when she was hitting me was put my arms around her and squeeze her really tight and like, hey, like, I can't really see straight now. You really <laughs> fucked me up. Jeez. Yeah. And so I still to this day, I'll tell a girl if it's if we because my ex just recently like we had a couple times where one time she was like pulling at the door of my car really like when we were fighting and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa the brand new car. Stop. Yeah. Don't get crazy. You're gonna, That's like what happens when you break stuff and physically tell like verbally telling someone not to get crazy is the same as holding them to keep them from punching you. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's an it's an absolute perfect in, <laughs> intuitive thing to say, but it's like. You don't want me to get crazy? Yeah. And it's like, oh boy. <laughs> like, I don't have a solution for it, but I've, but some of my worst fights happen in cars when we're like in a, a closed environment where oh, we couldn't just God. Like, yeah. move ourselves from the situation. Yeah, then you start to heat up and then you're yelling and then the, then the road rage. You know what it is now today with, with cops <clears throat> and fighting is that 15 years ago you would be able to talk to a cop. And tell them what's happening and how everything. Nowadays, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's like, if you're having an argument with your girlfriend in public, then you're on the edge. You know, there's there's going to be a definitive thing that's going to happen. I would say it's got to be seventy thirty seventy percent. You're going to have problems with the police if that's happening. Yeah, there's a high tension happening right now. <laughs> yes, you know what I was thinking too was with cops is that. What if cops were really like superheroes keeping like a wall of criminals outside of our homes and we're all like, cops, you need to stop like Superman like fucked up or something. And then they tell him to go back to his planet or Batman. Take your tool belt off. So if the cops really now <laughs> are are like protecting us and then we're like fucking them up by trying to like, you know, police them too hard. Yeah. And then they stop being as hard as they're being. But all of a sudden like this, this crazy unleashment of crime happens and we're like holy shit go back to being yeah. total dicks we need you <laughs> be fucking pigs again but at the you know at the same time that's totally think, like to a degree has happened i mean yeah there's they're, they have been getting soft in, in, in certain you know thing i i just think the whole thing with the cops is that is that the uh you can't be uh you can't be on the force after you've had one instance you know i mean like for example, OK Cupid. If you're a sleazeball, OK Cupid immediately pulls your car. How do they know? They just OK Cupid. They just if you get reported on OK, oh, okay. Cupid, then yeah, you're like out of creep, there. Creep report. Boom. I've been banned from OK Cupid so many times. <laughs> really? Yeah. And that's kind of the same thing if you think about it with the cops. It's like you have to think a little bit about what you're doing. You got to remember that these guys will fuck you up and they will fucking put you away. Yeah. You know, they they want to they want to dominate you. Did you have to call the cops for your uh, for this fight that the girl? No, I didn't. Any other it. for any other domestic reasons? I never, I never. Yeah, I don't think I've ever called the cops for domestic reasons. Yeah, I've never. But I've but I've uh, for the most part been pretty mellow when it comes down to it. 
How yeah. about for anything regarding your uh, the, your industry, the the, bi- the professional biking? Oh, that was um... like there's got to be because I I have to imagine there's got to be a lot of like is, is it like cutthroat as far as you know every guy's competing they they got all the like 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 take female like pageants right yeah. they they're they're uh, put in uh, pepper spray in each other's makeup <laughs> they're fucking horrible <laughs> shits going on they're like oh, yeah. horribly competitive because it's like every man for himself I don't, like is there anything like that oh totally yeah i think this one time i can remember was this this dude came in from vegas and he's like yeah you want to smoke a bowl and I, and then i like hit the bowl and it was the day be, the night before the contest and i was like oh my god dude i'm freaking out and he goes cocaine and i was like <laughs> wait and he goes he goes yeah there was some coke inside of that bag and and you smoked it on the weed He's like, yeah, that was a lot. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I remember, like, my trip just lasted because, like, I was adrenalized out. I remember yeah. I remember feeling my adrenal glands open so much that the next day that I had to compete, I was not there. Were you just exhausted from it? Yes, because I had gotten so Jeez. high. I mean, it was basically I freebased coke on weed or whatever, and it just <laughs> was, like, fucking horrible. That's one of the things, looking back on smoking— that just sucks. I always hated that. Even aside from somebody trying to, uh, you know, fuck me up before the day of the contest. I don't know for sure. But, yeah, the cutthroat aspect is definitely there. More of a mental thing. Like, you'll be on the top of the of the rolling to jump in, you know, for the jumps. And, you know, somebody will say, yeah, man, you're looking good, dude. You're looking good. Oh, man, dude, that's so rad. I can't believe you're – yeah, that's new. That's a new trick, isn't it? And then – Five minutes before the contest, hey, dude, you, you need some water or something? You need some, like, dude, you're looking, like, a little bit pale. <laughs> they That shit was always He's happening. trying to get in your head. Majorly. And I see, I feel the same thing in comedy, too. What's funny is, like, I don't take any shit at all because I've been through yeah. so much, you know? Like, when I rode bikes, it was at the top, top, top level. You know, because in the end, you're not competing with you're not competing against the other bikers or other comedians. You're just trying to win the crowd or win. You know what I mean? Like you're doing your run. It's all of you. There shouldn't be, you know, but like, but that's how like low minds think. They kind of think in a competitive way. And yes, you know, that happens at the bar. That happens all over the place where we'd rather kind of like have this civil war than promote each other. I yes, guess. that's so that's so true. I, that's so true. I mean, like, what what got you into, like, how did you get into profession? Like, how did you become professional with it? How does that work? Sponsors, or you just start winning? It for professional for me inside of the bikes was from amateur BMX racing, and then they had the the pro tour came in to Orlando, where I'm from in Florida was Orlando, and. I entered the contest and then I got on TV and then that was when sponsors came in and then that was when the the career started because it was at that time when you were on TV, you know, this was 17, 18 years ago, it was a really big fucking deal. Yeah. There was like no questions about it because everything was so focused. There wasn't the internet. There wasn't, you know, uh, literally millions of different focus points. It was just like you have TV yeah. and you have dial-up internet. So, uh, so, how so? Wh- how long were you riding professionally, and like it, what brought it to an end? Just it was ninety-seven when I turned pro, and then it it was uh, two thousand seven when I stopped. I had a friend that broke his neck. Jeez, and uh, he's X Games gold medalist, and and. Uh, and that was really shitty. Once that happened, I was just like, you know what? I'm fucking done. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do backflips on a bike. I don't want to. And I had just lost interest in it. And then. So were you traveling to a lot of these, you know, these events would be all over, all over the country or, or, you know, different parts of the world. And then you'd be kind of like in the same circuit with the same riders or. It was, yeah, it was always the same guys. So you you would just kind of like start back up catch back up wherever the tournament was exactly yeah they just have different stops on the tour just like any you know like golf or whatever it was like we're gonna be here we're gonna be here here and uh yeah it was it was amazing it was uh 
it was a really really awesome experience were were you attracting like a different type of chick with that scene as opposed to comedy i feel like girls have a type that they like and they'll go to the places yes. to find that type yes that sense? absolutely yeah there was a a girl from providence i know you're from newport rhode island newport. Yep. okay yeah, her name was uh, Rachel Cicerone, and she was the baddest bitch that I've ever been with. Really? Yeah, she was a uh, like there was a a magazine at the time called Metal Blade, which was like full on death metal. Uh huh. And then I always had an attraction to the the girl that I think she played bass for uh, White Zombie with like the long blondish greenish like she swam in a pool for too long hair. Okay. <laughs> And this girl had like that long blonde hair. It wasn't green, but it was just white blonde hair. And then I saw her and I was like, oh my God. And I was like a boy. Like I was like 20, 21. And she was 26. And I remember I was so amazed that she wanted me. And, and uh, she had a Decepticon sticker on the back of her car <laughs> the Decepticon and the Autobots. Of course. And so she had the bad girl sticker. And uh, yeah, she was cool. She was. I. I ended up keeping in touch with her for a couple of years after the gravity games which were 99 yeah those were the outdoor those i remember those they had like um they had like street luge and, yes uh, yeah, i remember that because yeah because yeah, i think we we're talking newport had like the extreme games that was which x beca- games which yeah. became the x games yes and but it was like a tiny little thing in newport that, that kind of just blew up yes because that must have been like mid 90s yeah, that was right? like 94, 94 yeah, yeah, 95, and then this was, you know, six years later, and then NBC wanted to get up on the action sports market. It's really kind of fascinating. Like, I think about the listeners right now thinking, like, what are they thinking about this this dude talking about, you know, action, extreme sports? I mean... But, but which is network and basic cable, you didn't have really much, you know, like, the Olympics were, were like... To see aerial skiing was like the big crazy thing because that was the only like extreme sport that was like, you know, in the Olympics or something like that. And then the X Games come along and now like I got a buddy who works for Red Bull, like their new uh, channel they're creating. Mm-hmm. So they're just creating like 24 hours a day of content yeah. of people building cra- in crazier stunts and doing these things. And, you know, back in back then it was just jackass home videos. It really was, yeah. It was, it was, yeah. America's Funniest Home Videos, or whatever you would have on a VHS that you could find. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was definitely different back then. That's for sure. Less uh, documenting everything. I mean, yeah. I mean, today it's like it's so different. I mean, like I'm on Vine and and Instagram, and that's basically my two outlets. I mean, I'm starting to fuck with Snapchat more, but yeah. I, sometimes I think about what the paradigm is now to what it's becoming. And it is really interesting. It's almost as if YouTube now is TV. Yeah. Is what it feels like. I feel like I can't even fuck with YouTube unless there's like a whole creative team. You have to be really on top of, uh, you have to have like a real like lightning in a bottle to get it seen because there's so much shit out there. Yes. But, but, but then again, the stuff that like Jackass was doing, they were doing stuff that was, would probably stand up today because it was like innovative shit and like, and like it was bringing content that was worth like people watching and clicking oh, through. Absolutely. Like listening to Steve-O the other day when he talked about, he said in 93, he had an idea to like do the shit I do. You know, and that really caught my eye. Cause I was like, I remember that, you know, so he was setting out to be Steve-O in 1993. So. And there's such, I mean, there's such a great, um, like most people, I, I, I relate them to like worker bees. Like we've been ingrained with this idea of like, you go to college and you get a job and you do this. And like, I started on that trend, like a business degree. And then all of a sudden I met like the right people or the wrong people that got me out of that. Yeah. And realized that you, if you're Steve-O and you want... Like you, like a career will follow you if you have passion and love what you're doing, and with stand up and you know, with acting is a little bit more of a lottery. But like with stand up, like if you if you want to put in the time and appreciate it and love it, you will get the results in many different things. Like it might not be through stand up, but you know, if I'm like I love to travel, right? So like if stand up gets me on stage and and and, and shows me how to relate to people. I could be a host for the travel channel. You know what I mean? Like it's absolutely so. Like with with sports, I mean the sports have a have like a a certain way of 
you know, you, it, it it expiration date as as far as your body what can it can withstand. Yes, but it's still like you. They created this industry that wasn't it didn't exist, but their demand showed up and they kind of monetized it. Yes. What did you do from the time you decided to stop pro uh, being a you know pro BMX rider? That was 2007, and then I started hanging out in San Francisco and selling vintage road bikes. So this was like full-on like beginning of what hipsterdom is today. Yeah. You know, and thinking about it now, yeah, that was about nine years ago. And so spending a lot of time in San Francisco was cool because that city taught me how to dream. And I was selling bikes, and I was exploring the urban landscape, and I was really intimidated by San Francisco because I didn't ever grow up in a big city. Mm-hmm. And so then I started to kind of think, well, what could I do? And then I had a friend of mine, Jared Harris in Atlanta and Jared's really talented, been in the game now for comedy and BMX was when I met him. Like it's been like 15 years that he's been doing stand up. So he taught me how to do it because I knew him for a long time. So he was like, yeah, I used to get on stage. So then I was like, yeah, I think I think it's time to do that. But then I didn't do it until 2007, but I should have started sooner. But that's like the same story for everyone. Yeah, you always wish you mm-hmm. you could, could t- dial back the clock. Yes. I, mean, I wish I started stand up in college. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote a bit for a, a, a competition in college, and I never did it. Oh, and shit. And I remember a, fr- a fraternity brother said to me, this guy John, I won't forget it because he didn't mean – he didn't mean bad, but he but he but it fit into that worker bee thing where he didn't mean bad, but he was like, dude, stand up's harder than you think. Oh, dude! <laughs> <laughs> and I never fucking did the and I never did the bit. And it was like a it was actually a, I like looked back on it. I wish I could find like where I wrote it. It was a solid bit. It was like you know like uh, we're part of the Greek system, but like, what if we chose another ancient culture to to like you know be a part of like Middle <laughs> East? You know, we wouldn't have. <laughs> You know, toga parties. We'd have turban parties, and a car bomb would be a whole nother meeting. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this shit's brilliant. I'm like, fucking stand up, Dave. is a lot harder than you think. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that delayed me seven years or eight years, and I was like, fuck, I'd be fucking great by now. But oh it wasn't the route, you know. It wasn't the route. So funny. And it's funny when shit derails you, but like it, eight years later, it came back to me. You know what I mean? Like that I buried is... that shit deep, and then it that... came back. That is so true. You know what's crazy is that that is the same thing that happens now in all aspects of life and in the aspect of, like, how do you get to enjoyment, you know? How do you get to actually really say that I'm happy? Yeah. Right? So you have to make those decisions of, like, now, nah, like, I need to go at the, like, sometimes I try to, um, I try to tell girls that they need to like fuck if they want to fuck i tell them i'm like (laughs) and i also explain that i go look i go at this point in my life i'm pretty sure that if i wanted to be gay i would just be gay (laughs) and i say you have to understand that like in the gay world they get it done but like girls love gay culture now especially now more than ever like you need to think about how they do it and how we could apply that to our super heteronormative culture. You mean by just being like transparent with what you want? Transparent or thinking more of like, the thing that gets me is that when you're single in the single world, what I notice, and I'm starting to understand it even more now because I'm coming back into it after having been there for a number of years. The girls, they really are horny. Like they want to have sex. Like these girls want to have sex. Yeah, they're at the bar. They came out to meet the right guy. And this isn't the, oh, you wore that, so I'm in you. No, this isn't that. It's just basically the social aspect of it because the part that they are like, oh, my God, I really want to have sex with this guy, but I can't. Yeah. I can't. Right, guilt. Uh, I can't. Slut judgment. It's slut judgment, shaming. So that's something that I Which always... is so much worse, I think, amongst women themselves. I think women slut shame way more. 
worse than guys. Yeah. Maybe not like, I don't know, I don't know, you can't get involved with like Hollywood and what they portray it as, but like most men were like, hey, wear that. Be cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're not being like you fucking whore. No, we fucking love. And if they shake, are. Shake your ass. Do what you want. Right. And if a guy is saying that and, and shaming a chick, he's a fucking idiot. And he's got his own issues. And yeah. Like, he's been rejected by girls. And right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Because so, like my girl, when she's getting dressed, she's trying to get, she's getting dressed for other girls' approval. Not yeah. mine. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, she doesn't care because <laughs> for, so... it's weird to them. <laughs> oh, shit. But, so, so, uh, what, what would you hope for in a girl you met at the bar? Just to be, like, super chill and, and just feel her, her primal feelings, or? Yeah, I, I just, the ideal is just a girl who's, like, either that time of the month that she's really horny and just, she, you know, like, She's feed me, you know, like that, <laughs> that or a girl that just is like that maybe seven days out of the month. I don't know. You know, it's I, it's like it she doesn't have to be a slut or she doesn't have to, you know, necessarily be on that one day where she's going to have because I do think that some girls have one day a month where they have to have sex. Yeah. It, at the at the most, if I was to aggregate, it's like it's at least one day. Well, I'm I'm probably gonna butcher this for the females listening, but isn't it usually right before their period? I don't know when it is when they're obviously. I don't know. I don't know I how think that works. It is but before, but I, yeah, I don't exactly because that's the know. day that like if they fuck, they like absorb all of the fucking sex and like it, their bodies like most. <laughs> You know, like on point to like save that sperm. <laughs> I, I keep on thinking because, dude, I I have like this idea of a uh, balance towards, like, for one, I think about your listeners and I think about, and I always am thinking, like, okay, where am I at right now, Dave Neal? And I'm thinking about like the type of listener that you have must be very like introspectively intelligent, and they're probably listening to this going like. What are they? If the girls are like, "What are they talking about? <laughs> our bodies? They know our bodies, but we're they trying. And we I probably know we have don't. it all wrong. I know, and we just want to just we just we do want to understand. But uh, so because no, so if you if you met a girl on that one day that she has to have sex, yeah, uh, and she, and you, she took you, you you took her home and fucked her. Do you do you uh or you fucked together? I don't I don't know how to make this, you know. It's we have to be so like careful these it's days. It's so true. No, you don't you didn't fuck her. She fucked you. Whatever. <laughs> Fucking who someone fucked somebody. <laughs> So even you know, that's I mean, actually like, some of my we're thing. we're too hyper aware of this fucking shit. Well, now girls we in college have to have the checklist. You know, if you're gonna fuck a girl in college, you have to be like, "I'm about to touch your breasts." Yeah. Is this good? You have to text them saying, "Will you have sex with me?" And they have to respond, "Yes." <laughs> right. And then there. you have a 20 second window to fuck them before right. they fucking. But I meant it last minute, and it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, because I never had I've, like you know. I'm not saying I'm lucky to feel this, but I've never I've never been accused of any sort of assault. Uh, but I, I think it's because I've made pretty decent decisions. But there's definitely been gray areas where neither party knew if we should be having sex, yet we're having sex. Yes. Where I was like, I'm having sex with the girl, she's having sex with me, and we're both like, what are we doing? Not necessarily because we're wasted, but because we're just like in auto drive and we're letting like we're letting each other's hands put each other's organs in each other's fucking you know what i mean absolutely yeah i that yeah there's definitely that and that shit happens and like you, sometimes you got to stop it and sometimes you just have to be like I, maybe maybe it's in part of it's almost a conversation afterwards to be like oh boy but without without like sort of shaming anybody because it is a sensitive place after you've had sex with someone, and and of course it's been agreed upon, but it's also been like, oh my gosh, you see judging me? What the hell? What's going on? Are we going to talk? Right. Like I've like with with my current relationship, like next morning, like really, even after we stopped hanging out, like she went on her day to do her things, and I went on to my things. I was like, are we, like, are you okay? I, I wanted to be extra cool with the fact that we were friends who just like hooked up. Oh, and, and, and that's kind of how our relationship. You were friends, started. and then yeah. How long were you friends for? Well, we were friends for several years, but we didn't really live within each other's area. Uh-huh. I moved to L.A., and for like three months, we were like hanging out, and I made it pretty clear like where I was trying to go with this thing. So it wasn't like, surprise, we had sex. It was it was just kind of more like, don't freak out. Like, And I kind of like took control of that steering wheel. I was like, we're going to be all right. We started hanging out, and I, I, I think when you like hook up with someone who is your friend, or, or I mean, I'm sure it could work with colleagues too. 
which which I wouldn't recommend because that's just you know whatever. Right. But as a friend, I was just like I just I played a lot of the. I was aware that she would probably be freaking out over what the fuck we just did, and I didn't want it to be a negative feeling. Yes. So and and later on, she told me that she like texted her friend saying it was like really sweet that I uh, that I was like asking about her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because as guys, we kind of assume like, oh, great night. And then by the next day, we're like, yeah, it's cool. And like, we don't know what she's thinking on the other end. So I think just communication is good. But like, so say, say you, find, you meet a girl you, that one night of the month, you fuck her, she fucks you, you fuck each other. Um, do you value her less? Like as far as a relationship would go? Or, or would you still be interested in a relationship knowing that you guys just kind of hooked up early on? I'm always interested in a relationship if if a girl is like that because i always look at it to where it's like if she wants to fuck and she's not feeling weird about it then i just think oh well i better not fuck this up because she really likes sex and then guys being motivated by sex you think like well this girl seems to be pretty connected to what she likes because i think that's a big fear for guys is that the girl's just going to turn the water off or give you a bill yeah, you know, like no, not now. It's you know where you just you don't want to be in a relationship with a girl that doesn't like to have a lot of sex. So if a girl wants to fuck like that from the bar, you're like, oh, this this could be cool. She's she's in touch and just well, like, there's yeah, there's definitely a, a constant release of oxytocin, which is a commitment molecule, mm-hmm. and uh, you have to and that that can be that's released through hugs and kissing and of course sex orgasm is probably the biggest way it's released but mm-hmm. like companionship and if you don't consi- and it's, you shouldn't force yourselves to get there but if you have to like force yourself to make time for a date night which leads to that release it's good for the relationship because when they say relationships are work i don't think we should mean it like we're punching into our job like it's a 9 to 5 it's work in the sense that don't be selfish you know, keep questioning the other person's desires and knowing that you're just on the same page. Mm. And, uh, I mean, cause I mean, what do you, what would you think? Like it's as far as like making a relationship work, like what is it? If, if, if you know that you have the sex, like what else is it a trust? What is it? I think for a relationship to work, you have to really be okay with the way a person operates around you autonomously in public because i think that's one of the biggest things is that when you go out in the world and you're operating together because all relationships end up to where you're just around each other all the time so you have to be okay with the way that that person conducts themselves in public okay i think that's big you know and then of course you have your your private time but for me it's like if i'm a very like socially robust person i'm i'm I have my off days, but a lot of times I'm just, I'm out there, you know, talking to people, you know, whatever it is, filming vines or whatever, just pretty gregarious most of the time, you know, unless I'm depressed or something. <laughs> but, and if a girl that I'm with, if she can't take the ridiculousness of me, it's not, never going to work. That's a really no. good point because there is a different, there is like a public persona versus like who you are at home. Yeah, and, and I think men we kind of probably just um, exaggerate in 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 our public lives, especially as comedians and performers. Yes, we got it. We get big, kind of. It's 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 like a tribal alpha male in a way, but not you know like fucking trying to be a dick to others. Just you know. Well, the artist part of you, the part that makes you a comedian. Yeah, you know, and, and I guess if girls are listening to this, going like, well, like this is the way comedians are. Like, I think it kind of is. There's different types. There's guys that use the stage as, and it's the only way, way that they can communicate and then they're weird as fuck off the stage. And then I think we're both kind of in more in a place where like uh, conversationalists, we, you know what I mean? Whether you're on stage or at a bar with friends or even a stranger you just met, you're not telling a story. You're kind of like creating the stage. Yeah. And um, and that can be tough if the girl's like, oh, like, like it's almost like sometimes what a girl will initially be attracted in you, be, uh, she can use... Um, almost as leverage because you when like if a girl's attracted to you being this boastful guy who's ha- telling a great story and then all of a sudden you know you're telling the story to others it's like she's now <laughs> the second this, time she hears you tell it yeah. then you oh become, my girl hates it when she's like i heard that story seven times i'm like yeah, yeah.
Yeah. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to pick this conversation up uh, again if uh, if if you'll come back and hang because I'm sure we have so much more to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, and females listening, women. <laughs> uh, there's so many. Look, uh, let me know what you think. You know what I mean? Like we're men. We we uh, we stress that we never have the answers, but you know we always try to explore different uh, different feelings, and uh, we're not trying to like just take. What, what you know what like a professional says we should feel we're like we're like we're like uh test subjects in real life with it um so so write in to us and let me know what you thought of this episode um you find me on instagram and twitter at d Niels with a z and uh what's your uh vine instagram snapchat all that vine is just chris duncan but you gotta put the space in and then uh c-h-r-i-s-d-u-n-c-a-n and i guarantee you'll get entertained for sure on vine and also on instagram and on Instagram, I'm Turbo Knight. It's T U R B O dot N I G H T. And a lot of people say, What is Turbo Knight? And I'd say, Well, Turbo Knight is what I would tell my coworkers in the bike shop the day after I was going out to get laid. That was a Turbo Knight. Because <laughs> I'd go out, it'd be fuck or fight. So it'd be like, What limit can I ride? Turbo Night, fuck yeah. or fight. I think that's going to be the fucking name of the podcast. <laughs> that's going to be our and episode. And not fight chicks. <laughs> fuck the chicks and fight the dudes. You know, I'm not even a fighter, but it was just because I was going out yeah, for it. Yeah, it's like your, your drunk's going to either get to a place of violence or get you laid. Exactly. Depending exactly. on when you took the Jaeger bomb shot. <laughs> Turbo Night, fuck or fight. Well, that's the episode. Um... We got to get out of here. Uh, definitely follow Chris uh, on his social media and uh, myself included. Uh, if you like this podcast, rate it, review it, share it on iTunes, all that love. We appreciate it. Share it on your social media. Oh, and hey, a big shout out to Marcus for coming to my shows at Stand Up Scottsdale. That was really cool to have a, a friend, a podcast listener come out to a show. Uh, I'll keep you guys posted on upcoming shows um, so you all can come out and support that. Thanks again so much for being on the uh, podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right. See you guys next time. Peace.